Hi friends, welcome to episode 10 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and I've taught people how to produce original work for the stage for over 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find my blog as well as my podcast. You'll also find Sally Pal, the podcast, on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. Thanks to everyone who's been sharing the blog and the podcast. I really appreciate the shares and the suggestions. Today's episode is an interview with Jana Hunter. Uh... Jana has written or produced The Drew Carey Show, According to Jim, Roommates, Gary Unmarried, Notes from the Underbelly, and for the last nine years, she and her husband Mitch have been executive producers for The Middle on ABC. Jana has also been a member of Groundlings Improv Troupe in Los Angeles. We talk about making it as a TV comedy writer, what she loves about The Middle, and give some good writerly advice. Be sure to listen until the end for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Let's get started. Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you in it Every day I wanna stop and think about you Jana Hunter, thank you so much for joining me on Sally Pal. It's my pleasure. Are you kidding? Thanks for including me. I'm a one-man band right now, but it's so much fun because I get to talk to people like you. And this thing that I'm doing is to promote the idea that regular people can produce original work. I agree with you 100%. And now more than ever, people are doing well, it everywhere. Tell me what you mean by that. Now more than ever, as far as being just in my world of TV, there are so many outlets. There's Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Apple's going to get into original programming. Literally, these places have people in place that troll the internet and find YouTube stars and Instagram stars and then try to bring them a platform. Yeah. Let's talk about how you got started because it might have been a little different. We talked about According to Jim and Drew Carey Show and you also did Notes from the Underbelly and Roommates. And of course, the one that I think you're probably most proud of with very good reason is The Middle. Yeah, The Middle I've been on from the beginning. But I feel like I've been a part of the creation of the world and the characters. So that's very exciting. When I came on to Drew Carey, it already had cachet and patina and the characters were already developed. And I came on to help that. You come on to help with what exists. Right. I noticed from the underbelly I had a little more hand in that because it was also news. So the new shows are exciting for that reason. But when I was coming along, the, here's how it worked. You wrote a sex script. So we wrote existing shows. You wrote them as well as you could, if not, if you could, better than the ones on TV. So you're writing an, an episode of an existing show. We wrote King of the Hill. And we wrote Everybody Loves Raymond. But first, we got into what's known as the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop off of Grace Under Fire. <laughs> That's how long ago. I probably shouldn't tell you that. Uh, but I'm seasoned. That's the word I like to think of. <laughs> yeah. So we wrote a Grace Under Fire. It got accepted in the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. We blistered it in there. And we made friends with a woman named Melinda Hagee of Warner Brothers TV. She just kept up with us and she believed in what we were doing. And so we wrote this King of the Hill which at the time was kind of shocking because we just spooked every religion in it. Bobby wants to become a Buddhist, and Hank is like, what? No, you can't be a Buddhist. And Peggy, well, if we say no, he'll want to be a Buddhist. So he goes <laughs> through every religion. <laughs> so, and we did it funny, and every religion took a hit. It's not like we were 
trashing religions. We just had the king of the hill viewpoint on the face. Hollywood was suddenly like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. And we had an agent. We had gotten an agent from the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop. He got us read at Fox. But when I called Melinda, she goes, well, I don't know who those people are, but I know who needs to come in on your meeting. So she called him. His name is Michael Hanel. He's now with Acme Productions. And he read it and said, I'm coming in on this meeting. <laughs> and the thing in our day, whenever they asked for more material, you absolutely had to have it. If you didn't, then they were like, okay, bye, thanks. You had to have a bank of scripts. We had the King of the Hill, and then they said, we need to see something else. We had an Everybody Loves Raymond. They said, well, and then when notes from the underbelly came along, we've never done single camera before. So the woman was like, yeah, they seem funny, but they've never done single camera, just multicam. I had written a Larry Sanders in a class. So my husband and I literally spent a whole week of our lives polishing the Larry Sanders, updating all the references in it, and gave that to her. And she went, yeah, I like them. I'm going to hire them. Awesome. Yeah, I know. My, my agent goes, do you have anything single camera? I remember the big flurry. And I was like, I don't know. Do we? We don't. I don't. And then we Mitch said, what about that Larry Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> so we unearthed it and we were just working on it all week as if we had it in our arsenal, you know, like, oh, sure. You went there to be a writer. So you were doing what you went to do. Is that right? Well, truth be told, I came out here to be an actress. Well, you're just so talented on stage anyway. So I was kind of surprised to hear you were a writer. And we knew each other from the theater because we'd been in plays together with my ex-husband. We had to let him go, but... <laughs> But I think he's doing very well, so it's all right. <laughs> I'm not saying anything on public air about anything. We did plays together, and I wanted to be an actor. I came out here to be an actress, and I got a few auditions. I did Groundlings Theater, which is like anybody you see on Saturday Night Live has probably done a tour through Groundlings training program that teaches you to think on your feet. And also... Very good training for what it's like on a set, because what it's like on a set is we've changed the joke, and they're going to tape the show in an hour. So we've changed a whole bunch of your dialogue. <laughs> you as an actress are going, you've done what? <laughs> it was good training for that, because it's like thinking on your feet and being quick and memorizing fast. That was good training for that. What Groundlings started to do for me was I started writing there because they really stress writing. So you have writing lab and you have advanced writing lab. And so through those, I started writing sketches. Now, also part of this quotient, Mitch was getting bored because I'm in Groundlings. I'm doing my thing. And he's sort of like, well, what is my thing? Why am I here? Surely not just to do construction and, and support your habit of doing improv. I want to get back to that. So tell me the transition. His friend works at UCLA and said, look, I get these extension classes and I can transfer them to anybody. Why don't you take a few comedy writing classes for fun? Mitch is like, hey, I got nothing else going. So he started taking these writing classes and I'm writing sketches for Groundlings. He's writing sketches for this class and we keep coming together and going, is this a funny line? Is that funny? And then he would twist something I had into something funnier and I would twist something he had into something funnier. So all of a sudden we're kind of like, are we writing together? And it was like, Yes, I think we are. A writing team is born. Yeah. Yes, and he got a sitcom writing gig, and I was doing stand-up. So I did a little stand-up. That's a whole ball of wax. But mm -hmm. So he took an actual sitcom writing class. So I was helping him with that, but I wasn't in the class with him. So mm -hmm. anyway, we were writing some fairly decent stuff, and the teachers were taking notes. They're like, you know, you're pretty good at this to him. And mm -hmm. he said, well, I'm writing with my wife. I was taking classes to a guy named Howard Fine, who is also an excellent acting coach out here. If you're going to come out here and you're going to study acting, you need to, if you can, get into Howard's world because he's kind of amazing. And then we got into the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop, and I came down and I said, Mitch and I have gotten into the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop, so I think I'm not going to be coming to class as often. He goes, you're not going to be coming to class at all. 
You're going to be a writer. Because <laughs> that's the true sign, right? So you get into the Warner Brothers class, and that's a signal that you probably didn't recognize like other people in the business did. Yeah, so it's, it's more like then the agents come calling. Like suddenly you, you send them spec scripts, and the agents are like, eh. But the writer's workshop gives you this slight degree of credibility where all of a sudden the agents are like, yeah, I'll read your stuff. And that's how we got an agent out of that. A thousand people apply for this program and there's 25 slots. And we got to the final 50. That's the interview process. And we went in for the interview as we stood up. I highly recommend coming up with patter a little bit before you go into anything like this so that you can spearhead the interview a little bit so you can be funny because if it's comedy, they want you to be funny. Mm -hmm. So we had come up with husband and wife patter. Like, I'm talking. No, I'm talking. You know, (laughs) let me tell the story. I tell it better. So we came up with a little bit of patter and we had them laughing. So as we stood up, the guy said, when's the last time we had a married team? And the guy said, oh, it's been 13 years. And he goes, hmm, might be time. And then we walked out and I said, I think we got in. (laughs) (laughs) So when they called us and said, you know, you're in, I was like, I kind of thought so. That must have felt so good. And you did it together. And we did it together. And we always joked about how we went to work together. Like we were both going to go to real estate school. If this didn't work out, we were both going to study real estate (laughs) and be like another one of those husband and wife married teams on the bus benches. Who knows? If you stuck with that, you could have made almost as much money as you made as producers. Well, we were kind (laughs) of laughing about that. (laughs) With California real estate? Yeah. We were much happier writing comedy, and we love going to work, and so that's kind of exciting. And you still feel that way? Because you've been doing this for a couple of years now. Yeah, a couple. Just a couple. Well, I didn't want to give too much away. 29, as long as I was a teacher. I know. Remember when we worked with Kristen Chenoweth, and she was like 12? I know. And I think that was when I started teaching. After that show, the guy from Booker T. Washington comes and says, hey, have you ever thought about teaching? Seriously, I didn't have any teaching credentials. That's how that got started. You were, like, amazing. I'm like you. I love what I do because I had so much freedom. Got to play every day. At one point, I was down on set with Drew Carey, and I was looking around, and I'm like, this is a surreal experience. I'm allowed to be here. I didn't sneak in. You know? (laughs) Do you still have moments like that where you look around and you think, I'm at an event with this person and this person, and I belong here? It's mind-blowing, and there are times when I'm thinking, I'm here, and I do I belong here? But then I realize, yes, of course, you know, but it takes you a minute. It takes Mm -hmm. you back, you know. (laughs) It's really creepy when you're on the set, and it's like an action, and people are acting, and then they come to you like, was that okay? And you're sort of like, sure. Sure, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I wasn't really watching. (laughs) Just one more, I think. Let's just one more to, we like that one. That's good. We got it. Let's do it again. You know, Mitch is mostly the set guy, mostly. I just okay. sit around, walking around set and going, wow, this is so cool. It's all so fake and so cool. <laughs> we well, make people you... believe this is a real house and it's not. <laughs> is it so much business and so much audience that you lose the sense of fun and creating that's insulated sometimes? Well, I will say this about our show, and I attribute this to our creators and runners, Deanne Helene and Eileen Heisler, who are amazing. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have the opportunity to play like this for nine seasons. Nine seasons. Did you think you would want to go to 10? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of exciting because you'd be in such a club at 10. I mean, you're you're suddenly in the club with shows from the 70s or 80s. That's got to be meaningful. It's unbelievable. Surely you and Mitch have had a conversation or two, like, what is it that we're doing that's working? You know, this exciting part about TV, it's very collaborative. So you're always in a room with a lot of people. And I've been in rooms with people that are legendary when I was young. And I was in a room with a guy named Jerry Belson. 
He created The Odd Couple. He was with Gary Marshall. He's partners with Gary Marshall, and they created Happy Days. So he's like this legendary writer. And his whole thing was, honey, just be nice and contribute. (laughs) That That was his big piece of advice. Be nice and contribute. That's it. Nothing else. I was like, okay. You know, and in this world I work in, I'm very fortunate on this show to work with a lot of funny women. I mean, I'm working with more funny women than I've ever worked with. But at times in the Drew Carey show, I was the only woman in the room. You have to be comfortable with that. That's the thing about TV writing as a woman. You have to be comfortable with all configurations. (laughs) Like, you have to be used to being the only woman in the room. You have to be used to being in a room with five other women who are also very funny. And it's been a long time coming to have women comedy writers be represented. At this point, our show is still a bit of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. To have all these funny women in the room is the coolest thing ever because everybody's got everybody's back. It's like, that was funny, and that's funny, and yeah, let's do that. I would say something funny in the Drew Carey room, and five guys would work their butts off to get the joke out of the script, you know, because like, that's a woman's joke. Does Mitch ever complain that he's in the minority now? No, I think he kind of enjoys it, actually. It's a much uh, friendlier environment, less Darwinian. You know, you're just trying, in a big group of people, trying to make yourself useful so that everybody goes, oh, yeah, we do need them for another season. But the way we got the middle was kind of an unusual situation in that I had read the pilot two years before, and I loved Mm -hmm. it. Then they cast Ricky Lake as the star. They just sort of said, here's your star. And I don't, Deanna and Liam were a little bit like, oh, okay, we'll work with this. But I had a feeling... (laughs) Just the more I was hearing about what was happening with it, I'm like, okay, well, I think that project's dead, and I'm very sad. I would just tell people I really like this middle show. Then smash cut to we hear that the middle has a rebirth. Patty Heaton has read it, and she wants to play the part of Frankie. When I heard that, I got so excited. And then Mitch had already told Eileen that we love the pilot. Once it got up and running, they called us in for an interview. But it was a little bit stressful, and then I'm like, if we don't get the job, it's me. You know, (laughs) like, they love him. All the way, and Mitch is going, don't be too much. Don't be too much. Just be yourself, but better. But don't, you know. Be yourself only too much. Gauge the room. Try to, don't be too excited. Don't be, but be excited enough. I was just going in there going, oh, my God. What does that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) Then I guess I was okay. You weren't too much. We got the job, and that was nine years ago. It's really fun, though, to be on a show nine seasons, because when I'm writing, the blank page doesn't blink at me so hard. Our room works where we beat out every beat, like Frankie enters, Frankie's attitude is this, Mike's attitude is that. Because we're funny people, everybody pitches out jokes. Do you find being an executive producer, your ideas carry a little more weight now? Um, My joke about being an executive producer is I just get ignored at a higher level, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. I mean, obviously, I I carry more weight. (laughs) You don't really weigh in on wardrobe or props or anything, but when you go up the ladder a little bit, then suddenly they're like, what do you think, this sign or this sign? And you're like, seriously, I like that one if you do. (laughs) Do you feel like now you have to think about things you didn't think about before? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Do you you love that or do you hate it? I don't know. It seems like it would be really fun, but also kind of annoying. I I like wardrobe, obviously. I'm a woman and I like shoes and clothes. I'm a cliche. (laughs) (laughs) But I work on the only show where the shoes and the clothes are horrible. You have to go, that's a little too nice. You need to pull that and get something uglier. Our show, we repeat clothes. Everybody wears the same coat they've been wearing from season one. 
the kids' clothes have grown, but Frankie and Mike wear the same coat they've always worn. They wear the same boots they wear. Love that. Frankie, Patty Heaton has worn sweater sets for seven years, the same one. And how generous that Patty Heaton totally embodies that kind of character. She will freaking do any, I mean, hats off to Patty. I've never met an actress that is so, she's willing to be ugly. She's willing to cry a bucket of mascara down her face. We've poured rain on her. Do you think of her as a comedian or as an actor? I do think of her as an actor. Some people, like I think of Drew Carey as a comedian who acts. Mm -hmm. But I think of uh, Patty Heaton as a comic actor. So she's mm -hmm. funny in real life. I mean, when you talk to her, she's funny. Neil is an improv guy from way back, and he does a show out here with guys that he came up at Second City with. They all do a show out here called Beer Shark Mice. And it's like 10 bucks to get into this show. Oh, my God. He's terrific, and he charts both worlds pretty darn well. His improv show is really something to see. Come out here, and I'll take you to see Beer Shark Mice. Really fun. I'll take you. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I might have gotten pumped too, like with my cousin. I'm like, I can pay ten bucks. That'd be very impressive. We got pumped. <laughs> hey, the perks keep a coming. You know, I've had to turn down countless invitations to things. You know, so when I am, whenever I'm retired or whatever, I will never turn down another invitation. Well, I love that we got connected again because you've given some fantastic advice. If I gave anybody any advice, don't be afraid of the empty page. It's not mocking you. Go to your life because in the middle. All we do is come in on Monday and we gripe about what our kids do. We call them our entitled kids, right? And we think that in a weird way, even though we're more affluent, everyone has kind of entitled kids now. The kids just assume you're going to take them out for the weekend. Where are we going this weekend? What are we doing? And it's just sort of like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so we joke about, you know, sort of the entitled children yeah. and we gripe about them and then that's how we get story ideas, you know, and then things right. from our lives also, like we talk about our lives. Like uh, the graduation of Sue, that episode where she loses her yearbook. And that happened to me in high school. I kept trying to find my yearbook. I'm running around going, where's my yearbook? You know, and I go to each person that the people told me they had it. And they go, oh, I gave it to so-and-so. So I'm literally chasing the high school and I'm thinking I'm never going to get my yearbook back. And then the day of graduation, somebody handed it to me and it was completely signed, like all over every page was oh. signed and nice things that people had said. So the episode where Sue's graduation, I mean, there's other stuff to it, but her loss of the yearbook and then the ending actually happened to me. And we know it's good when somebody pitches something like this happened to me with my kid and everybody goes, oh yeah, that happens in my house and here's what happens. And the room gets excited and then you go, okay, we've got a story here. Uh, isn't that the best moment? Yes, it's a very good moment when somebody comes in and goes, okay, here's what happened at my house this weekend. And everybody goes, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, and are you all at the point now with the show where you've run the string out, like you said something about the finale, have you already got it blocked out? Um, we have basics of it. Our device in our show, we have Frankie's point of view through a voiceover. We use less voiceover than we used to. But at the end, I think it'll just be a big voiceover of, like, what happens. Do you feel like those days of pure creation from nothing are over for you? Or do you all still have moments where you get into those excited conversations? Oh, we still, we still get into the excited conversations. I'm convinced that's why the show work. I mean, even though we've done some things, we thought we're pushing it a little bit. Like last year, we did a musical number with uh, Brad and Sue, you know, a La La Land tribute kind of thing. 
Well, we argued about it a lot. Like, how far do we go with it? Is it just instantly a flash mob? Do we build the flash mob? How do we start it off, you know? So we sort of mapped out everything, and the whole number turned out just great. That's one of the reasons why I love the middle, is because those people feel absolutely real to me. I appreciate so much that kind of detail that you put in. It's brilliant. There's a reason why you've gone on nine seasons, and it's not a surprise to me at all that you and Mitch have done that and had the career that you've had. I think everybody knew that you weren't going to be a dental hygienist forever. Okay, we are chatting off the grid. We're You're the bomb. And thank you so much, and thank you for the time. I just love you to death. You are always one of my favorites. Oh, you're so sweet. Absolutely, one of my favorites. And do keep in mind, and tell Mitch, that invitation is open all the time. We live in a one-stop-like town, just to give you the... It's Mayberry, basically. It's now time for... Concise Advice! From the interview! Ooh. A short version of the best tips from my guest. Get up, get up. Today I have seven great bits of advice from the hilarious, humble, and talented Jana Hunter. Number seven. For screen actors, if you come to LA to act, get into the world of Howard Fine. You can find him at howardfine.com. For TV writers, number six, if you pitch a story idea with a partner, come up with some patter before you pitch. Number five, don't be too much. Number four, don't be afraid of the empty page. Number three, go to your life for ideas. Number two, be prepared to work with all kinds of people. And number one, write from what you know. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Thanks to Jana Hunter for taking time out to talk about life in the fast lane and writing for television. Next week, I'll post an interview with Florida dance innovator, Nicole Perry. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in Pal stands for Performing Arts Lab. Y'all be sure to check out my blog for articles and podcast episodes. It's sallypal.com. Be sure to share, share, share. Let's work together to encourage new creations. You can find Sally Pal on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and lots of other platforms. If you have a platform that doesn't carry Sally Pal, let me know and I'll see if I can change that. Of course, you can always find the blog and the podcast on my website, sallypal.com. Look for my posts on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and LinkedIn. If you like Sally Pal, find a like button and press it! Don't ask me where it is. And if you really like it, share the podcast. A new one goes out every Monday. And now I have just one bit of wisdom from George, my husband. The coolest guy on the planet. George, what's your wisdom for today? If you must choose between two evils, pick the one you've never tried before. Well said, George. Well said. Excellent advice indeed. Remember, all the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Now, it's your turn. Thanks so much for listening. There's no advertising budget, just like and share buttons. Sally Pal episodes are posted on Monday evening, so spread the word. I'm still working on that ebook to help organize your production, so keep a watch. I want to help you learn to produce and direct original shows. 
It's what I do, and you can too. Be faithful friend, God is mine, and she knows how it breaks. And if we keep an open mind, then go the right way, right way, right way. Every day I gotta stop for a minute, think about how good my life is with you in it. Every day I wanna stop and think about. don't have cable this year. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Are you people going off the grid? Is that what's happening? I, I know. Every time I talk about this, I sound crazier and crazier. Eight billion galaxies. We can't even get our head around the number of galaxies in space that there are. I think right. to think we're the only planet with life is fairly arrogant. 